Triple M Rocks Sunday Arvo Footy. For Harvey Norman Home Appliances. Sunday, a day to worship. Worship a small egg-shaped ball. Oh, no, he drops the ball. Just as long as I'm here in your arms, I could be in no better place. I've got to respect the ball. You're simply the best. Long live the weekend. Long live rugby league. Woo! Oh, you've got to love your rugby league. with you on a Sunday afternoon. Welcome to the Triple M Sunday Sin Bin. Yes, good afternoon across the Triple M Network. Welcome to the Sunday Sin Bin. As always, it's thanks to our good mates at the Mitsubishi Triton. You just can't frighten a Triton. Five-star safety towing all the fruit, as they say. Knights 27, Broncos 6, Souths 40, Warriors 12. We're going to get straight into the Warriors very shortly. Panthers 21, Storm 14, Dragons 20, Titans 8. Uh, Tigers 36, Cowboys 20, Michael Maguire coming up as well. And Roosters, Parramatta, what a game. Roosters 24, Parramatta 10. All that's coming up. Like I say, we're going to talk about New Zealand Warriors shortly. Uh, Mary, uh, Michael Maguire too from the Tigers is coming up for a chat. Uh, let me welcome the panel of experts. And, of course, in our Brisbane studio, in the Gordon Tallis studio, is the man himself. <laughs> Hello, Gordy. Good afternoon, guys. How are we? Very good, mate. When are we going to see you back in the Sydney studio for the show? Um, when the Sunday late game is finally off the calendar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when it's the four o'clock game, I'll be down there so we can call it so I can see you face-to-face, Maroon. I miss you so much. Oh, I miss you too, Gordon. I <laughs> miss picking you up at the airport and having to go around the block ten times. Uh, Paul Kent from NRL 360, big week for you too. I loved your article yesterday in the telly. Oh, thanks, Anthony. Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting week, hasn't it? And uh, I tell you what, it's been a great weekend of footy too. Uh, hasn't it? Hasn't there been some great games? Hoops from Fox League, good day to you. Good afternoon, Anthony. And straight off the bat, you've got some news about uh, the Queensland the Queensland NRL teams. Yeah, Gordy, you'll be stoked to hear this. So the Premier up in Queensland, Anastasia Palaszczuk, has just announced that from next weekend, uh, a quarter of the crowd's capacity can return. So you can have 10,000 fans at Suncorp uh, next Saturday night, and that's for that game between the Broncos and the Titans. So I'm sure you'll be there out in force, Gordon. Absolutely. It's good news, isn't it? It's, um, I went to the game yesterday and it was, and actually make a fair bit of noise. What was there, 2,000 people? Mm, so you could yeah. hear them, but it's, but that stadium's so big, you know, you could put 20,000 in there easy or 10,000 and, you know, mm. let's get it, let's, let's get it full. Well, going in the right direction, boys. Yesterday in that three o'clock game, halfway through the game, we got the news that, uh, the Warriors coach, Steve Kearney, had been relieved of his duties as the coach of the Warriors. Todd Payton, to step in and take over for the interim, for, for the immediate future. And he was told over the phone yesterday morning, so his record hoops going into this one, of course, 2018, he got them to the finals, but they were 13th last year. So uh, the first thing I would say to you is how this one for, uh, uh, certainly for me, and we work in the media, it came completely out of the blue. It did come out of left field, Anthony, but then once you picked up the telephone yesterday and started to speak to uh, the powers that be at the club, uh, it very quickly became apparent that this wasn't a trigger-happy decision, that they had just all of a sudden uh, come to the conclusion overnight. Uh, They had been discussing it internally for a number of months now. Obviously, there was a hell of a lot of challenges. you'd expect that, though. Yeah. Uh, You'd expect that. Like, you you wouldn't hope it. You'd you'd hope it wasn't done over... 
couple of beers the night before <laughs> after a loss. After getting flogged the way they yeah. did, yeah. Um, okay, so up. I'm just saying, yeah, though, like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. course, the course. Look, Cameron George is a quality operator, mm. and they are a club that for years has has been underwhelming. That and that is the truth about Absolutely. the Warriors. So, uh, the timing of this is highly unusual. The fact that it's happened while the club is away and basically isolated on the on the central coast is unusual. But I don't entirely disagree with the with the decision. I think that they are a club that continues to underwhelm. And I, but I'll say this: I don't think it's just the coach's problem. And I mm. think the next coach, unless he's allowed to make some pretty drastic changes to the the club and the culture of the club, is going to have the same problems. Well, we want to ha- we want to chat about who that next coach should be, and we want to chat about. Um, the Warriors all over the place and the timing of this. But I just thought from a point of view of that we all know what other coaches' heads are on the chopping block. And we would have thought because of the COVID-19 thing, he probably bought himself some time. They kind of have been the flavour of the month, haven't they been, the Warriors? And then just um, I, I, I appreciate that they were talking about it behind the scenes, but the fact that nobody knew about it outside of the Warriors is a very rare thing for the NRL. Oh, look, it is. There's no such thing as secrets in rugby league these days. But the thing that the Warriors, the luxury that the Warriors have is because, uh, you know, a lot of the time they're based over in New Zealand, they don't have the intense spotlight Mm. and scrutiny that the Sydney-based and Brisbane-Queensland-based clubs face, i.e. South Sydney, Parramatta, Penrith, Canterbury, the Broncos, whoever it is. So that's why the Warriors are probably afforded a little bit of a luxury in that department, Anthony. Yeah, I think it's just a. Um, they are a club that are still trying to figure out how to win. The, the the fact that they've rolled through so many coaches, what is it, a dozen coaches in the past twenty one years, mm. is testament to a club that hasn't figured it out. And at some point, and I know they've got a new CEO and they've gone through some ownership changes in recent years as well. But at some point, the club's got to realise that they actually might be the problem, because they, you can have all they're rolling through the coaches, they're rolling through players. And it's the same problems over and over again. Mm. So what hasn't changed? Yeah. And but what about um, let's just let let's stay with the timing of it now because we're going to do is our, our phone poll today, our, our Facebook NRL Facebook poll. Do you agree with the timing of the uh, sacking of Stephen Kearney? Do you think this was an odd time to sack Steve Kearney? I think it was. I say yes, it was an odd time. But we'd love to give you get, hear your thoughts on Maroon's poll. Let's go back to the start with Steve Kearney. I think a lot of people would have thought, perhaps question with due respect to him as a player, his choice in that role. He had one uh, NRL role before that at Parramatta and certainly it wasn't a successful stint as an NRL coach. No, he was down in the 30% winning percentage there too. So uh, that was unusual from that point of view. But but Kearney was also, let's remember, the uh, at one point the, the test coach. He did uh, serve an apprenticeship under Craig Bellamy, which is basically seen as finishing school now for NRL coaches and future NRL coaches. So he'd done that, uh, and because he'd worked with Bennett at the at test level with the Kiwis, uh, he was a Kiwi himself. Uh, I think all that just married into this was the, the right decision. He didn't have great success at Parramatta, but the, I think the Warriors thought that they, uh, with the problems he encountered at Parramatta, uh, wouldn't be problems at, at the Warriors, so therefore there would be success. But to me, the problem with the Warriors is that they believe it's an international competition. And it's not an international competition, the NRL. It's a club competition. So I don't see why they continually feel this need 
to to fill the team with as many Kiwis mm. as mm. possible. Mm. Okay, I, I just think that they they need to start looking for more Australian players. They need to find more tough Australian players. And by that I mean players who have come through and and leave race out of it. I mean players who have come through the Australian system, yes. who have played junior reps and come through that and learned to tough out and grind out victories. Yeah. You look at the change in Parramatta when Parramatta Brad Arthur went to market and, and, and got the blokes like Nathan Brown, who just love love a dogfight. And there's not enough of those characters in the Warriors. And I think that's because their junior systems over there aren't as strong as they are here in Australia. So what inevitably happens is talent come through and their talent is so good and the competition is a little bit weaker over there. So what eventually happens is, is the talent comes through and the players haven't been tested and haven't been a little bit yeah. uh, what's you know, put in the fire by the time they've graduated to NRL level. So when they get to NRL level and then they get exposed to what happens, yeah. they're not ready for it. And that's yeah, why I- the Warriors can be brilliant but can fade. Well, we watched that with their 20s. They were always bigger than the other sides. They were always faster, stronger. They had everything. But when you come up and started playing against men, all those kids, mm. you're thinking the Warriors are going to win competitions. If all these guys, because they were so good in the 20s comp, if they kept half of those players, they were going to be such a force in the NRA. Everybody thought it. But when it come time to playing against the Clamour or Webkey and it stepped up and they just kept on going about their business for 80 minutes, those guys didn't want to go for 80 minutes because – Everything they did was so easy. The game was over. Like they're so big and talented that they like and they were winning with just their, just yeah. their, ath- yeah, just with their athletic ability, not with the toughness and grinding out games. The Kiwis have never gone out there. They're easily discouraged, Gordon. Aren't ground they? out a game. Yeah, yeah like absolutely. Shane Webke was never discouraged. Mm. It didn't matter what the score was. Mm. Didn't matter how tough it was. He he knew what his job was. Give me the ball, and I'm going to get over the advantage line and go as far as I can. And that was his job. And he he, did, he never wavered from the Warriors. Of when they've been good, they've been good on the back of brilliance. To your, the grind. To your point, Kenny, about the fact that they need a little bit of a circuit breaker in relation um, to the whole organisation. Do they need to look at an Australian-based coach? Because in the two instances that the club has had success and has made the grand final, it's Daniel Anderson and it's Ivan Cleary who are over there and in charge. And also, but is that possibly look, a better? Sure, it is. I think that's the a right way to go. And there's not an obvious Kiwi candidate. Kiwi candidate, but the. The, the, the other part, too, is you look at those grand final teams, they did have a couple of tougher Aussie blokes. They had Kevin Campion in there. Mm. The, when Daniel Anderson made it, Ivan Cleary was actually a player there yep. and had that – it brought a standard to the club. And that's what they talk about with uh, Roger Tuovasa-Sheck. Roger Tuovasa-Sheck has brought standards to that club that they hadn't seen before. and he, he Because you know, he came out of the rooster system. Well, he system. came out of the rooster system. yeah. yeah. That, that's that's what they need to get. Like, if you want to get Kiwi Kiwi players, that's fine. But get Kiwi players who've come through the Australian system and are a little bit tougher. Hmm. That like until the, the club, I think, acknowledges this point. I don't believe Wayne Bennett. Anyone could coach him to success. And I'll tell you that. I will say that if Wayne Bennett did get the job and a few other Australian coaches who I think are well qualified to do the job did get the job, I'm sure that's one of the first things they would change. Mm. We've got an interesting call here. Andrew's on the line, one triple three five three in Robertson, New South Wales. Andrew, what point did you want to make about the Warriors? Oh, g'day, boys. Um, love your show. Look, I just want to... Uh, is it time to rip the, brand, rip the Band-Aid off and just discard the Warriors from the competition and make that 
that player pool and uh, available to to uh, another within Australia side, you know, like Central Coast Bears and whatever, um, the the perennial underachievement of that club and their like systemic failure year in year out is a time to just get rid of it. Just say, catch you later. We can absorb that their, their player pool into other clubs, but just get rid of it. It just seems like a complete waste of time and money. No, I disagree, Andrew. I don't think you can just press torpedo and, and blow the whole organisation up. I think they do value add something to the competition. I think if you get the right people, as we've just been discussing, um, yeah. into the club, then yeah. they have shown, because they've made two grand finals previously, they haven't been able to win a premiership, but the yeah. talent pool of players in New Zealand is far too great to just all of a sudden abandon ship and say, oh, well, that didn't work, we'll blow it up, hmm. and, and yeah. we'll just yeah. import yeah. Kiwi players over to Australian clubs. I don't think that yeah. is the answer. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. it's, a, I don't think it's a national thing. I don't think it's, it's a... The Kiwis, why do we want them? I, like, I, 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 there's a lot of benefits to having the Warriors in the competition. It's a club thing. I think we've got to, once you start to understand it's a club thing here, it's not an mm. Australia versus New Zealand thing and why are they in, in an Australian competition and all that. It's a club thing. And the minute the, the Kiwi, the Warriors actually understand that themselves, I'm sure we'll start to get some improvement because then they'll start to yeah. say, well, you know what, we'll get this guy out of Parramatta or we'll get this guy out of Manly or wherever and he can come over and play. So that's that's what they need. That I think that's where they need to get to. That's why I think a couple of these coaches that have been mentioned, some I think are great choices for the Warriors, and some I, I don't think so. All right, one because I'll just make the same mistakes. One triple three five three is our number. Yeah, well, they are. Are they not the gift that? Yeah, they just keep on giving, don't they? The Warriors. I mean, they signed Stephen Kearney went over there, had limited success. And then they re-signed him for three years, three years, and now they're going to pay this contract out. Now, again, Hoops, I ask you with great respect, who was chasing down Stephen Kearney that they had to sign him for three years? That was a bad call, but like all coaches these days, Stephen Kearney's got an agent. He could smell blood in the water. They made the finals. They'd had a bit of a honeymoon period where they'd had a spike and everyone was talking him up and they were one of the flavours of the season that particular year. And so on the back of that in 2018, the agent goes in and negotiates a bumped up really good deal for Stephen Kearney and no disrespect to Mooks, like, Mm. you know, he's... He's entitled to go and yeah, get whatever he's worth, mm. but that's a that's a situation. That's but how. That, that, but yeah. that all marries into my point about the way clubs are running. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, again, mm. that was a pre. Well, that was a previous ownership, wasn't it? That was that a previous. Was, uh, yeah, it was. But that's but that's the culture of the club. The mm. Warriors have never been renowned for making smart decisions. Mm. And that goes... Well, even yeah. this decision is going to cost them, right? Because but this, as Maroon this, just touched look, on, uh, Stephen Kearney was signed for the rest of this year and next year. That's a million-dollar payout right yeah, there. But let mm. me say this, though. If they get the right guy in yes, and they start having success and they start recruiting the right people, then ultimately that could be a cheap decision. Yes, but... Who is the right guy? Yes. Well, I was going to ask you, Gordon. Well, see, because, well, well, well I'll tell you who I like. Signed Kearney, I mean, because we keep on putting it back on the players. I tell you, and if I'm I like at the club, and you know they start to get some traction, and they're close to finals. You think, okay, well, let's take the excuses out of the players. We're going to resign this coach to show we got faith. So all those excuses. So whatever he says now, you know, you know, that's the go. Button. Have you got someone there, Gordon? Who, who would you look at? Oh, what? There's so many people on the. Like I, I was going to ask you about Griffin, your, Fitzgibbon. No, I was going to ask you about Golden. your great mate Nathan Brown, Gordon. Well, 
He's great at rebuilding a club, isn't he? Mm. Hundred percent, and point. setting up yep. systems, setting yes. up systems that allow good juniors to come through. He's shown that he can build a roster. Yeah, well, but to be fair, he was he was over there helping before the COVID. Yeah, year. yes, you know, and I don't know how many days he was over there, but I was over there once, and I caught up with him um, and went and watched him train. So, um, yeah, he's certainly one guy, but the guy's got to want to go there, you know. I tell you who I'd look at. I'd yep. look at Anthony Griffin. Right. Okay, why? Yeah. Because Anthony Griffin uh, brings standards uh, to your club that I think would benefit the Warriors. And I'm, I'm talking about here, there's a standard that, that's required at training, how you carry yourself. There are, there are non-negotiables in certain parts of your performance. And he's a, very, he's a, he, he, he's a strong man. He wouldn't be... Uh, doubting himself or questioning what he's doing there. He would be able to walk in and, and you don't want a club that you don't want a coach that gets there and after six months thinks, oh, hang on, a little bit, you know, to be re- without trying to pile on the criticism, a little bit like we see with Anthony Seabold now, where he's making decisions that it looks like he's second guessing himself mm. and he's starting to doubt himself and we're, we're wondering what's going on there. Anthony Griffin would go in with a clear plan. He would say, this is how we're going to rebuild the club. This guy can play. This guy can't. We need to get rid of him. We need to get rid of him. Well, we need to make sure we don't lose this guy. We need to do and, – and then he would bring in a standard of a minimum standard required at training. He'd bring in minimum standards required as far as the uh, performance would go. He would look at building the club through their recruitment and their juniors and all. I think he just ticks all those boxes. Uh, yeah, he, he did a magnificent job at Penrith when you know hmm. – some of the problems he had to deal with out there. Yeah. And I think he did it. I think Saint, when he first got the Broncos, that was a little bit of his education period still. But I just think he's a guy now who knows what a – I'll tell you what it is. Some clubs and coaches know what a premiership-looking roster looks like and some don't. Some hope that they get it right. Yeah. I think Griffin's a guy who knows what it looks like. I, I think you see – you look. Michael Maguire knows what it looks like. Yep. He goes into a club, he knows what it looks like. And, and that's why I thought it was brave, his decision to to let... Um, oh, Benji? No, no, the, the Gold Coast on the weekend. Oh, Corey. Corey Thompson, Corey Thompson yeah. on the weekend, mm. sorry. Uh, it was a brave decision there, but he, he sits there and he says, well, if we're going to win a comp, is he going to be in my side? Mm. Probably not. Yep. Mm. So he, lets, he moves him on, and he gets room in his salary cap for the guy who, who could potentially be there. Yeah. And there are players at the Warriors now... You're not going to win a comp with. So a, a bloke like Anthony Griffin would recognise that and go in and say, no, nah, mate, he needs to move on. And look, to be fair, there's a few others on the list that would recognise that. He'd be a good candidate. Paul Green would be a good candidate. Paul, Grant, Paul Green Bennett knows what it looks like. would be a great candidate. Well, absolutely, Wayne Bennett. Wayne Bennett, that's Wayne's greatest strength. I, I t- the, the, Wayne Bennett said one day, he figured out coaching when he realised the players you could win with. And what he means by that is like every young coach, when he began coaching, he fell in love with talent. And you'd see blokes with talent. And this is the Warriors problem. There's so much talent there. Mm. But you can't win with them all. And, and Wayne, Wayne kept forgiving the talent. 
mate, look look what this kid can do with a football in his hand. Let's go. And the guy would make him a, you know, he tried to chip over the top 30 metres out from his own try line. They get beat by a try. And, and he'd sit there and he'd convince himself, but the kid's got so much talent, we need to keep him. And then he'd say, you know, he finally realised, you know what? He's just got to keep letting you down, this guy. Mm. He's got talent. But when the game is on the line and you get you get to that moment where, you, where the two teams are looking at each other, he's going to do something that's going to let you down. And the, the good – and Bennett figured that out. Whereas you look at another – for example, Bo Scott. He loved Bo Scott because, you know what, Bo Scott wasn't overly talented – but he just wanted to win, mm, and he yeah. did whatever. He knows was what he gets from his players. Hundred percent every week for eighty minutes. What he hundred percent, and mm. that's. So, but, but you need a coach like Bennett who recognizes what a premiership-looking roster looks like. Craig Bellamy obviously does. Trent Robinson, look at the recruitment, how clever they've been, the way they've been able to just pick apart players at different clubs to come in when and replace players who are moving on. Kyle Flanagan, perfect example. Just went out and identified him and said, mate, we've got this. Yeah, Cooper's obviously retiring. We want you to come in, and he's ready to go. They've got already got Sam Walker coming up behind him, mm. ready to put pressure on him. They are a team that knows what they're doing. Some clubs have got no idea. All right, Paul, we'll take some of these callers. His phone's gone burko. People want to have the say on the Warriors. The switchboards are alive. Hopefully it's not reverse charges from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Claremont Meadows is where we're going to go to first. And is that you, Tony? Take it away. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why. Um, why can't they have? If we're looking at bringing in another team into NRL, why can't the Warriors? Why can't there be two teams structured there? Maybe that might help them become better players. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what their um, how they play NRL over there. But maybe they need another big team to help bring the best out of New Zealand. Yeah, it's an interesting point, Tone, but I think, now I'm all for a second Brisbane side. I think yeah. the way that Australia's set up at the moment and the fact that we've only got one team in Brisbane, it's a hell of a big mm. city over yeah. here, and I think that all the Australian Rugby League Commission people yeah. are all on board about the fact that they want uh, that second side to be set up in Brisbane. All right, one triple three five three. Let's go to the promised land. Redfin, Damo, what did you want to say about the Warriors thing? Yeah, mate, good day, boys. Uh, first of all, I agree with Kenny about Anthony Griffin. But uh, the big thing I wanted to ask is, is there any chance they could, in future, change the draw so that they play two home games and then two away games and then two home games? Because the travelling's got to impact their yeah. performance. I've thought of this too, guys, like the Wolf Pack. Like, they go and play a couple of games and then they go back to Canada. Yeah, something like that. Well, look, that's a possibility, uh, but the problem with doing that, and I think if you talk to the players, I'm sure that's been discussed, but one of the things, that they, they do like returning home. They like going home, being able to be with their families for the week, and to say to them, right, okay, you're going to go over. They have done it in the past, but they have short turnarounds, five-day turnarounds on away games, they'll, they'll stay over here. Yeah. So it's not impossible. Uh, I, how much it, it affects them? Look, I think that's just something you've got to get used to. The fact it's is... It's shorter going to New Zealand than what it is going to Perth. So if you look at rival codes... Yeah, but no one goes to and, Perth. Well, no, but if you look at rival codes in the West Coast mm. can have success in the AFL, yeah. well, mm. the Warriors should be able to have success based on yeah. the same thing. Yeah, right. What is it? What is it, a two-hour flight? Yeah, a little bit I think it's just more. the time difference more than the flying time because the yeah. Cowboys, mm. some days, because they've got to stop in Brisbane every time and they get to Sydney, it might be six hours of travel. All yep. right, let, let's roll through these guys because we've got to get to a break. Let's go to Earlwood now. Theo, what did you... You want to have your say on the Warriors, mate? G'day, boys. G'day, Maroon. Just firstly, before I get into what I want to say, uh, 
good to see the Bunnies get another win back to back. Yes, the uh, well, that's it. Mate, it was good to see. I think it'll be our year again. I think we're going for Premiership number twenty-two, but we can have that discussion off air, Theo. Mate, yeah. what, what did you want to say about the Warriors? When you're fixing his car, Theo, for free. Oh, <laughs> 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 no, I wanted to say I think I honestly think Craig Fitzgibbon would be a good fit for them. Um, I was going to say uh, Ruben Wiki to come on as a consultant, but I think he's already an assistant coach there at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I think Craig Vincivan, I think from his top time in England, I think he'd have some contacts which he could bring over, like English players, you know, that would bring that culture, gritty, tough. Um, I, I look at it very similar to the sort of Car- uh, the, the Canberra example where they've been able to recruit some really good English players, mm. and um, I think it would improve the culture of the club. Good on you, Theo. No question, Craig Fitzgibbon's an NRL head coach in waiting. It's just a matter of which job he ultimately mm-hmm. wants to take. He's going to get a crack at some stage. Uh, I haven't actually spoken to Fitz personally about it, Kenny. Have you? Because I wonder, like he's, to me, from an outside point of view, he looks as though he's enjoying life as an assistant at the Roosters in this immensely well, you, well, you successful club. You would be. Look, I think the, look, the trick for Craig Fitzgibbon is not only, is, you know, when a team goes out in the market, is Craig Fitzgibbon right for them? It's whether they're right for him. Mm. Yep. And and I've said I've said this uh, numerous times recently. Yeah, we all go back to Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy was offered the Tigers' job, who were a basket case at the time, and a couple of experienced people recommended to him, mate, probably not the right club for you, mm. given what they were trying to get through. Bellamy knocked it back. A year later, he got the Melbourne offer, and he went to Melbourne. Uh, whether a, whether a rookie coach is the coach to turn the Warriors around, given some of the surgery that needs to be done over there, that's my concern. Mm. I, look, Craig Fitzgibbon will coach NRL and will be very successful. Yeah. Like we look at, look at the likes of Adam O'Brien, immediate success, the way he's gone at the Warriors, at the Knights. I think Fitz is going to be a similar bloke. And there's been Michael Maguire came out of the similar system, had a great similar grounding, was a, immediately successful as a coach. Fitzgibbon is of that ilk. Whether the Warriors are the right club for him, though, is the concern. They but, need an established coach. They need an established coach with runs on the board. The best candidates, Paul Green, Wayne Bennett, Anthony Griffin, or Nathan Brown. All right. Well, look, let's leave that there. The final word on it, the part that really, really gets on my nerves through all of this with this mob, this basket case, and whoever's going to coach him next, is that the poor bloke gets the sack, and when, the, when he tells the players... With due respect to the Harker, no one respects it more than me. They do the Harker for him. I mean, maybe you could have just tackled a couple of the opposition for him the night before. <laughs> I mean, they do the Harker for him. It's like putting you, you know, go, put sending out a doing a whip round and buying him a present. Just unbelievable. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Isn't it funny how they go and they get sacked and you think, well, nah, my, Anthony, all these players. I'm going to tell you, I reckon you got to pull your head in there. No, I don't think you I have. do, mate. No, well, you have. Let me tell you something. Here's a memo to you. You're not here to tell me to pull my head in. Can I just check that uh, Theo yes, he bloke? He's our coach. That no, Theo our bloke who coach. ran in before, is he one of your old I drinking don't know partners who he from is. the intersection I, hotel I, at Ramsgate? No, or? he's in Earlwood, mate. He's Anthony, in Earlwood. you need to be pull very your head careful. in about the Harker. Oh, we might be doing the Harker for you. I said with great respect to the Harker. No, yeah, and then you and then you no, took the Now, why do these palookas let teams constantly put 40 points on them, then the coach gets the sack. Oh, how bad. Let's do the Harker it's for a him. Sort of well, respect, I know mate. that. 
I, it's a sort I, of I know I, that. I agree with Anthony. Yeah, they I know that. Respected him the night before, yeah, made a few tackles. Unbelievable. I mean, they honestly, didn't sack him. honestly, <laughs> they're not the ones know, who pulled well, the trigger. They on kind well, of are because of the way they play. I, I think anyway, so. I'm on your side, Maroon. Thank you very Good much, on you. Paul. Smart thing you said all year. Let's take a break and we'll come back with more as Triple M rocks the footy. The Triple M Sunday Sinbit. Thanks to Mitsubishi Triton. Nothing can frighten a Triton. Yeah, and welcome back to it. It's, uh, yeah, the Sunday Sinbin. Thanks to our friends at Mitsubishi Triton. You can't frighten a Triton. Five-star safety towing and the latest technology. This is the one tough youth that nothing can frighten. We've got Maroon's Pub Quiz coming up a little bit later on. My wife, Christine, Miss Portugal, has made a batch of Portuguese tarts and said give one each to the boys, but what I'm going to do is pull them and give them away to the winner of the pub quiz. This will be hotly contested, this one. Yes, indeed. Hey, we've got, uh, uh, we'll just speak of the devil. He's on the phone. Uh, West Tigers head coach and all-round good guy, Michael Maguire. Welcome to the Sunday Sinbin. G'day, Maroon. How are you, mate? How are you, boys? Yeah, nice to talk to you, mate. Knowing your history of your team's leading big at half-time and then they surrender a big lead, I wonder what you were like at full-time last night. Oh, look, I... I think the best part about last night was actually seeing the players walk in and they're actually filthy themselves. You know, we'd uh, put on a good first half performance and look, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about making sure that we, we make it an 80-minute performance. And even though we had some changes there through personnel, through a few injuries, uh, look, some of the trials just weren't you know, what we're about. So uh, we're changing that at the club. And you know, I think uh, the West Tigers has always been a, a club that it's probably been fairly flamboyant with their play and able to score tries, but one thing uh, I think we all know is that you've got to be able to stop them if you want to actually win competition. So that's something that we're pushing for at the moment, and uh, you know, changing the way yeah you know, we look as a club. Yeah, what 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 was the most pleasing thing last night? Um, just spoke about their attitude coming off and dirty with themselves, but what's something else that you're happy with, Madge, from the Tigers? Um, uh, one thing there, Gordy, I think just the hunger of the group at the moment. Yeah. They're really hungry to to make sure we make change. You know, I think everyone's sick of where, I guess, you know, the place has been over a period of time and, you know, we're the ones in charge at the moment to be able to change that. I think the hunger of the group is the thing that, you know, I've been really impressed with. And, look, I've had to make some big changes and those guys that have, you know, sat out have just come back to training and they've ripped into training and, you know, that's how you, you build a club and that's the attitude towards what you're trying to do to make a club as well. So that's probably the pleasing thing, Gordy. Madge, we just had a conversation about that in respect to the Warriors and what, what they need over there and, and some of the problems with the Warriors. And, and we mentioned you and, and the fact that, so I said, some coaches know what premiership-looking rosters look like, some don't. And, and you've you come into both clubs that you've coached at the NRL and made uh, some pretty clear changes about the way you want the club to operate. And we saw that. You've just spoken about that now. Can you tell us what's important? When you're looking for a, a roster for your for your club to turn them into a, 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 a premiership threat, what are some of the key things you've got to have? Yeah, look, the big one, Kenny, I look for is consistency in your players. You want to be able to select a player and know that they're going to do the exact job that is required for the team. You know, you can't have a an 8 out of 10 performance or a 9 out of 10 performance then drop it down to a 5 or a 6. Yeah, mm-hmm. those, those things just will never, ever get you there. And, yeah, you're in a marathon um, when you're playing in the NRL. It's from the start to the finish and those players that consistently play well at a higher level will put yourself into an opportunity to play in a grand final. And then it comes down to a few individuals within that team that allows you to, to strike when the time's right. And, and in the big games, you only may get two or three opportunities. And if you miss them, you'll never get them again. So it's finding those players that 
and execute at those moments in time to be able to build your team so then you can play at that higher level. And you know, one thing I also you know, probably learn over my time is that you, know, you don't always necessarily need a top caliber player. If you've got a team that really rolls their sleeves up and does their jobs consistently, pressure finds opposition. And then all of a sudden, the opportunities arise. So I guess, you know, we're in that position at the moment where I guess people would look at our team and go, well, you know, they're, they're building and all that. But I, I think that's a lot of garbage to me, to be honest. I mean, you know, we played last night and played really well for 40 minutes. You know, we've got to learn how to be able to do that for 80 minutes now. And that's the next progression of where we are as a club. I know the first rule of coaching is never give a sucker an even break. Uh, but I'm going to ask you uh, and leave people out of it. But if you were looking now to, re- uh, with the big news being the sacking of Stephen Kearney, if you're looking now to replace Kearney as coach, what type of coach do you think the Warriors need to be successful? Yeah, I guess I want to be a little bit careful at the moment, boys, just with the current climate. You now I've, uh, I know Steve very well, and you know I know what he'd be going through at this present moment. But I guess the the thing is the understanding of what builds a total club is a, a big part of what a head coach is requiring to know. It's it's not just about the team. It's about everything that revolves around the team as well. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of years, I guess, as an assistant coach, uh, getting an understanding of obviously how teams play, but it's also the environment around you that, you know, your players, they're, they're living in different environments and they're all coming together for the common goal. So you've got to be able to learn how to manage those players and, uh, it's not only that, it's managing boards, it's managing media, it's it's all the things that go around the club. So as a head coach, uh, look, you know, your coaching piece is a small majority of what actually goes on on the day. So it's being able to find someone that can actually manage the whole lot and have an understanding of that the key goal is success on the field. Madge, closer to home, let, let's talk about your club, the West Tigers. You made a big call a couple of weeks ago to drop Benji Marshall. It, it caught a lot of people by surprise when you did it. Um, do you feel as though the decision's been vindicate, vindicated given the defensive performance from the club over the last couple of weeks? And I, I went and had a look at some of Benji's numbers and I found out he, he missed more tackles than any other player in the NRL. Yeah, well, I, I talked openly hoops around you know, what I've experienced in success and being able to build teams and, you know, you look across the years that, you know, you've got to be one of the best defensive teams in the comp if you're going to be fair dink about winning a comp and I'm very open with that around the players and the players are aware of, you know, what's expected. So I guess, you know, I, I select my players uh, towards that and look, I also know that, you know, someone in Benji can do that because, you know, I've selected in at the highest levels in uh, a Kiwi team so it's a matter of making sure that consistency comes into his game just like I expect from every other player and then those opportunities will open up again Have you been happy with what Josh Reynolds has done in his time in the six jumper? Uh, yeah I have um, obviously last night look I think there were probably things that he didn't even agree upon that decisions with the ball he would have had his time again but look at this present moment he's, he's putting in the hard work and he's getting a reward off the back of that and yeah, that's one thing about Josh. You know, even though he's been at the club for for my time here and he's had to sit and wait and be patient, uh, he's worked hard in the background on the things that I've asked of him and you know, he's been able to go out and do that. And what about the injury roundup out of last night as well? You had Zane Musgrove, you had Alex Twole, you had yeah. Robert Jennings. Yeah, she was a bit of a bumpy night for us. Uh, look, we're still waiting on some scans, but I think those three may struggle for this week, so... Uh, look, we've got to wait for the severity of them. Um, Alex with his knee, uh, slight medial. Zane's got a foot and uh, Jenko, he's got a bit of hammy. So we'll have to wait and see where they sort of play over the week. The, hey, uh, Major, 
Sorry, sorry. Major, uh, what do you think of the rule changes? Are you liking them? Oh, I don't mind, Gordy. I, actually, yeah. I think it, it's sort of changed it's the way the game's played. And, but I, I really enjoy the fact that momentum and, you know, it, it's, I really enjoy now being able to work, you know, differently with my halves. You know, how do you get them into the game when that momentum rolls? And, you know, I've obviously been able to uh, bring someone like Harry Grant in and uh, I've always enjoyed working with my hookers and my halves and uh, to be able to pull apart teams now and figure out a target and, you know, ripping the one of our big blokes there to, to find a bit of fatigue. You know, it's changing how you play the game, so I quite enjoy that. Mate, one of the uh, things about Harry Grant at the moment is if uh, we believe there's a clause in his contract that if Cameron Smith stays another year at the Melbourne Storm, uh, he's free to negotiate with other clubs. Can you just uh, enlighten us on, on what uh, the situation actually is there and, and whether you at some point are looking to have discussions with Harry Grant about extending? Yeah, i a bit of a breaking news there. I think Cameron's just re-signed for two years and Harry wants to start West Tigers. So. <laughs> <laughs> Things are looking up there. Don't tease me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got you, boys. No, look, it is, uh, look I, I think it's in the hands of um, exactly what you said there, uh, Kenny, and you know, we've just got to wait and see what Cameron does. But with the way he's playing, mate, there's no reasons why he can't go around again. So mm. let's, sign, let's Melbourne sign, let's sign him up. You'd be hoping he would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, definitely. He's playing good enough. <laughs> Oh, he is. He's playing some good footy in the end. You know, it's, <laughs> I think with the rule and the rules and those sorts of things, uh, you know, he smarts around the game and he's just driving his team down the field, picking off individuals in the opposition and, you know, just playing with them. So there's no reasons why he can't keep going. Matt, how difficult, uh, well, take us into some of the changes you're doing now with your coaching in respect to these coaching rules. You talked about stuff you do with your hookers and your halves and whatnot. How, how differently now are you coaching footy from when you were, say, 12 months ago? Yeah, I think, you know, I guess teams, it's dependent on who you got in your team. And, like, you know, when I was at South, I had the big power game and, you know, you had your 10 interchanges. So, fatigue probably didn't play as big a part. So, you'd be able to roll the, the big men out. But now that you've got the big men stuck in the middle for longer periods of time, uh, you know, you can you can pick on individuals in and around the plays that you have and, or, you know, if defence sort of get tight, you can shift a little bit sideways and then come back through the middle of them. And so you're being able to pull apart defence to be able to go through them. Or if all of a sudden uh, fatigue comes into the game, you can start attacking through the middle. So that that's the enjoyment part of coaching when you, you've got the ball is that you're trying to work out little pathways of, you know, the least resistance so you can build momentum. And, you know, I watched the Roosters there against Canterbury and, you know, their, their whole set is about building momentum and then all of a sudden what you get, you've got 13 blokes just flooding through through the middle of the field mm. uh, and that's where Tedesco and those type of players are coming into play and, you know, I've got someone like Adam Dill who is really learning the art of a fullback now and, you know, I'm watching him over this last three weeks really grow into that position, both with the ball and defence, you know, he plays a massive part of defence as a fullback but, um, you know, you've got someone like Tom Karolovic playing through the middle now and, you know, isolating big guys. Uh, and then also you'll find him out on the edges, you know, putting on a play. So I guess if that makes sense there, Kendi, it's uh, the differences of what you're seeing now in the way the game's being played. Mm. It's much it's much better watching the game now. You see, like, some teams are still stuck in the old uh, shapes with block players and the rest of it. And, yeah. the, and the teams that are going well at the moment have just abandoned that and are doing exactly what you said. They're, they're basically building momentum and then just flooding through wherever there's opportunity. Yeah, it's interesting, Kenny. I think we've still got the block play, and you utilise that to be able to build momentum. Now, you've got to be able to create one-on-one. So you're going to get bogged down at some stage. So 
you'll you'll use or utilise the block play to be able to create a one-on-one. But once you've got that momentum, then you really go, right, let's let's have a target and away we go. So I think you've got the structure that allows you to build that momentum and then, you know, if you're, you're all of a sudden bogged down, you can use that structure again if you need to. So it's getting a good blend between both now. Hey, Madge, we often hear all sorts of cool stories from inside dressing rooms, but there's been one that's been kicking around over the last couple of weeks. You know what I'm going to ask you about now from you a couple of years back at South where you're at Brookvale one night and you decided to get the baseball bat out. Tell us a little bit about what happened there. And I actually have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Too Come good. on, Madge. <laughs> Uh, Is it true? Hey, they they reckon, might have made that one up. No, no. But they reckon uh, the Seagulls actually sent Souths a bill for the, whatever you did to the dressing room that night. So we've seen Michael Checker get the golf club out with the, the Wallabies, and they reckon you had the um, the Louisville Slugger out in the sheds at Brookvale. <laughs> no, I keep those things in the change room, boys. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'll let you wear going out. Madge, before you go, uh, Josh Reynolds, I just want to get a little bit more into your head about Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Because let's let the whole story is he leaves the dogs, he goes to the Tigers, he doesn't ever really want to leave the Tigers. Then he gets there and he has a multitude of injuries and he can't get on the field anyway. Then he has this drama with with, with this young lady, which we won't go into. Then he has this drama with the with the random breath test. I, I can't recall a player, and we deal with him a lot here, and we love him. I, I can't recall a player who's had to deal with more off field drama. And still playing the NRL on this bloke. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Maroon. I, I think I'm exactly the same. You know, and that's one thing as a coach. You know, you put the coaching aside, and then you're looking after your players. And I've watched him go through just a complete roller coaster over the last sort of 12 to 18 months since I've been at the club. And you know, it's real credit to him to be able to you know, bring himself back to where he's at. And one thing about um, Josh is that when he gets on the training part, that's where he's feeling at his best. You know, he's free; he can do all the things he wants to do. So. I've always sort of said to him, I said, mate, that's your safe place. You've just got to make sure now we deal with the things around you. And I think he's in a really good space at the moment. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, you know, have a, a nice clean run for a little while now and, you know, just you know, concentrate on his footy and just live life. And he's definitely faced some tough periods. Yeah, good on you, mate. Good to catch up, mate. All the best with the Tigers for uh, the remainder of the year. Thanks, boys. Thanks. Appreciate having me on. Yeah, good on you. Michael Maguire joining us on the uh, Sunday Sinbin, thanks to Mitsubishi Triton. We might get a chance to talk more about the Tigers a little bit later on. They've got a game this week against the Doggies, so it's doable. And at the moment, they're win-lose, win-lose, lose-win. So they're... It's doable, is it? Beating the Dogs. Well, I mean, I'm only try- I'm trying to sound respectful, Paul. Okay. That's all. Right. So don't turn on me. You've already agreed with me once today. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll uh, come back. Are we going to get more. into one of the games of the season? The Roosters and the Eels, Anthony. Well, it's How coming good up. Was that game last night? As Triple M rocks the footy. The Triple M Sunday Sinbin. Thanks to Mitsubishi Triton. Nothing can frighten a Triton. Yes, and they are listening. Everybody's listening, all NRL fans, right across the Triple M network to Cairns in beautiful North Queensland, right down into the beautiful Riverina through Griffith and Wagga Wagga and all stations in between on the Triple M network. We love having you guys and girls on board today. We are talking NRL. We're doing it thanks to the Mitsubishi Triton because you can't frighten a Mitsubishi Triton. Well, uh, Hoops, we got the news through the week that the Newcastle Knights have extended the deal of Kalen Ponga till the end of the 2024 season. I don't know how much faith we have in players seeing out their contracts anymore, but certainly it says a lot about the setup and the coach at the Newcastle Knights. 
Yeah, they're flying at the moment, aren't they? Newcastle on the back of Mitchell Pearce, now Kalen Ponga. They've got Tyson Frizzell arriving next season. The new coach, Adam O'Brien, uh, is getting instant results since he arrived up there in the Hunter. So, look, it's a feel-good story for the game at the moment. I love seeing when the Knights um, are back in the ring and having a real red-hot swing. And... Yeah, I think they're a genuine chance mm. this year of going a fair way into the finals with this roster that they've already assembled. Yeah, unbelievable. And and Kalen being one of those players that you don't have to be a, a, t- a talent scout to notice, to see him and see him even when he was a kid to say, this kid is, is going to make it in the big, in the big league. I, Go on. I reckon a question that's got to be asked is how the North Queensland Cowboys let, him go. let Kalen Ponga... Mm slip through the net. And he's not the only one either. Mm. Billy Army Kickow was up there mm. and so was Brandon Smith. Well, well Ponga came about because there was a, a blue between Ponga and Green. Well, see, so that's, that's not a great sign, is it? first. Was he? Yeah. But Kalen started so that was there, a big, So that was a big article here that the one that got away yep. um, because Brisbane didn't want to pay, I think it was like the $20,000 or whatever that the Cowboys gave him. So it's a, it's And then the Cowboys didn't want to saw... pay what the Knights paid him. Yeah, and the Cowboys. So it's just, you know. Well, it's Newcastle. It's just what happens, mate, and that's where the business part of it comes in and you've got a footy manager that goes, oh, you know, we've got this other kid coming through. You know, he's not worth that. So, yeah, yep. of course they want to keep him, but mm. it's what they're willing to pay. And we talk about it all the time yeah. about getting your salary cap right. Yep. And, you know, I didn't envisage that he was going to be this good. Like, mate, when he signed for 700 or whatever f- at the Knights, everybody was mouth open, yep. like gobsmacked, thinking, well, that is a – that's paid for potential. Well, he paid him back. He's as, paid him back in spades, yeah. And, yeah. and he could and pay him back. the same as the Tamalolo deal too. Yeah. Did yep. Brownie get uh, Kalen to the Knights? Yep. Yes. Now, there you go. There's another one in, in Brownie's cap. Boys, it got me talking or thinking. It got us thinking about these prodigies, these whiz kids that are always going to make it big. And sometimes, and, and on the back of this guy that South have signed, Joseph Suwali. Suwali. How do you Suwali. say it? Suwali. Suwali. He's only 16 and he's signed a deal almost worth two mil. What about some of these whiz kids, these child prodigies that don't kick on? Yeah, look, there are hundreds of them, Anthony, and it's... Uh, one of the hard elements of the game is that at times we in the media are all guilty of, you know, you, you, anyone can identify, like when you've got the likes of your Greg Inglises, your Israel Folaus, your Kalen Pongas, when they're coming through, your David Fafitas, they're not hard to spot. No. Like no. A, 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 yeah. anybody well, can. I'd argue, though, that some clubs still don't realise the value, hence why Ponga was allowed to leave. Mm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there's no dramas there. But... There's, there's... So are you trying to say what people that haven't lived up to their ability? Yeah, yeah pretty much. So yeah. The, the, oh, the, the Dave, danger is that at David Taylor's number one for me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you he go. Is, yeah. He is by far the most talented. Like he had so much talent, Dave, but he just never wanted to work for it. Like when I, you know, like when he was at Brisbane and he burst on the scene, he could his ball playing ability, speed, he had everything. And I reckon when he's when he's at home now, he must be thinking, well, I did not squeeze everything out of the orange. He played for Australia, he played for Queensland, but he never won a comp, did he, Gordon? And he never consistently delivered. Mm. No. No, mate, he, he he could have been as good as any forward to have ever played the game, like as robust as he was unbelievable. i tell you a story. And, not, and he just didn't want to pay the price. When I was a, a, a young guy, I used to, yeah, playing footy, I used to drive to training with John Mooney and Peter Louie, who were the, mm. the paramedic coaches at the time, first reserve grade. 
and we're in the car one day driving, and they used to just sit and talk, and I used to just sit in the back and shut up and and say nothing and listen. And they were talking about uh, this young player, the, the Brad Levy, who was a development officer at Parramatta, Tom wanted to sign. And he wanted to pay $30,000 for him, which at the time was bottom end of first grade money. Right. And this player was would have been 17 at the time. And mate, I remember mate going, mate, you can't pay that for a kid. $30,000, you can't pay it. And and they they had the, the, the discussion the whole way to training uh, and I, I just sat in back and listened. The young player I know, I knew who the young player was. It was Brad Fittler. Wow. Would have been the cheapest 30 grand mm. Parramatta ever spent. <laughs> yeah, wow. So Parramatta were talking about Freddie at 30 uh, grand. Parramatta, Brad Levy, the, uh, the development officer back then, he used to do a lot of recruitment. And, and so all the young players wanted to sign a, a young kid at Penrith. Uh, <laughs> called Brad Fittler. He wanted to offer him thirty grand, which, mm. but at the time it was. And this is a, it's a cost, it's economy of scale thing here. Mm. At the time, that was lower end of first grade yeah. money, thirty grand. And I remember so that's Paul, like giving a kid what three hundred thousand now. Perhaps, yeah, jo- yeah, yeah. Jordy, uh, Gordy, it'd be something like that. So yeah. it's like saying to it's a, a big uh, investment. It's a big investment, and and pa- look, look, in the end, we all know what Brad Fittler became, <laughs> and it would have been would have been cheapest chips in hindsight. But having said that. That, yeah, that's the decision. I, I, I dare say the Cowboys had a very similar discussion when they had this young kid called Ponga and decide what do we do here mm. and kick out as well. Like, there's no, it's easy to identify talent. What it's hard is actually to, to justify the price and get the price right. Mm. And in some respects, clubs let players go and it was the right decision at the time. And the player then goes and kicks and you think, okay, well, in hindsight, I would have made another decision. But for everyone you let go that becomes a Kalen Ponga, it's probably four you let go that are now playing. Well, they're, they're playing state cup. Mm. All right, we need to take a break quickly. Hoops. There's a risk involved, isn't there, Kenny? Like there is an element of risk. When you, you just touched on that great Freddie mm. anecdote, and you know, if you look back, um, I think it was young Jaden Nicarima a few years ago. Gordy signed with the Roosters, mm. you know, and they yes, paid big dough at the time, and he wasn't able to kick on. So there are often for all of the Greg Inglises. And the superstars, the Sonny Bill Williams that come through, there are also kids that, that don't quite make oh, it. I well, think that was how um, this conversation that, opened um, up. Yeah. And we kind of uh, have Anthony that. Maroon. Anthony yeah. Maroon was a young kid. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's actually, uh, you raise a very good point there, Gordon, because I've just had a text message from Matt from Collaroy. Oh, yeah, and he yeah. said there was a young Jamie Lee Curtis lookalike <laughs> who played for Waterloo <laughs> in the early 90s. Uh, he had everything except uh, talent and toughness. <laughs> <laughs> he did have plenty of tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Nice to have you listening, Matt. I tell you what, Jamie Lee Curtis in some of those films, yeah. if I look like Jamie Lee Curtis, I'd never leave the house. You've got the cars True for lies. it. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk more. But don't worry about this. Stay listening, Matt, from Collaroy, because we're going to be discussing your friend shortly, Anthony Seabold. Where does he go from here? It's all coming up as Triple M rocks the footy. The Triple M Sunday Sinbit. Thanks to Mitsubishi Triton. Nothing can frighten a Triton.